It's easy to get lost. This is The Revenue Maze, and I'm Valerie Cobb. Join me as we navigate the halls, dead ends, and U-turns on your path towards upward growth trajectory. The Revenue Maze is sponsored by Revenue North Star, guidance and execution through fractional revenue leadership, uncovering hidden revenues, and empowering small business growth through process-driven sales customized to your company environment. Welcome everybody to another great episode of The Revenue Maze. I am super excited about this really fun guest. We have a great time talking to each other. Like anything else, he's an innovative industry leader, but what is really cool is he is had all three of his books became international Amazon bestsellers. So I, I'm super excited about that. Um, he has launched a product startup, Tone Optic, in 2022, and he is a principal at Finian. And I'd like to welcome Fabian Gerhalter. It's Welcome, so good baby. to be here. Thank you for having me, Valerie. I'm looking forward to this. I am too. And I want to hear all about the amazing books and all the great things that you're doing. But you always have to answer my, you know, my question. It's the game we play, right? <laughs> it's a good game you play. You've got a thing going there. Yeah. <laughs> what is one thing that you can tell a listener and listeners or viewers and listeners that they can do to get out of the revenue maze? Well, my advice is, and this is kind of like an overall advice, right? Um, it's really rethink your brand strategy on a yearly basis. So this basically means that, you know, usually you sit down and you, and you do these branding exercises where you don't think logo and all of that, but you think about what's the positioning, right? Mm -hmm. What market are we in? What are our values? How do we connect to our target audience? All of these things. You usually do that when there's a huge transformation, right? It's like CEO shift, CMO shift, product changes, right? Suddenly you go in digital, um, geographic expansions. There are all of these reasons where you bring in an expert and you sit down and you do this big powwow about like, how are we really positioned from a brand perspective? I found that... If you do this, not, you know, whenever it's really, really necessary and mm -hmm. there's fire and you need to put the fire out, right? But if you if you do this and you basically, quote unquote, sit on a rock once a year with the core C-suite, which of course everyone's like, when would that ever happen? Well, <laughs> if companies can do retreats, they can do that, right? Yeah. Um, and if you spend a good, a good four hours to so a half day together, um, and you really and you really think about okay based on the last 12 months how are we positioned in the marketplace what what did we learn from a brand perspective is our audience shrinking is it expanding should we shrink it are we going more niche should we actually like where are we going and where's our audience and how do we meet them in the middle and so that to me is the beauty of brand strategy when you it's kind of combining product vision, marketing vision, sales, everything yeah. under one, under one, under one um, hat. Um, but it directly relates to how is the company doing from a culture perspective, right? How are people getting along? Are we having difficulties hiring? Are our values internally clear? And are they representative of the values of our audience? 
right? Whatever that audience is. Um, and does it sync up with our offering? And so this whole overarching idea of sitting down and really thinking about your brand positioning once a year is kind of like a, it's more of like a chiropractor. <laughs> you don't have to yeah. go to the hospital. You know, like you, you're just like, let, let's crack that. Let's see where it hurts and let's really spend time uncovering that why again. Because quite frankly, it's like, you have this big why and you're like, this is our vision. This is our North Star. You can call it any of these jargons, right? But really, <laughs> where are we heading, right? And there's always usually, I even like to, to have one word. It's like one word. That's your brand DNA, right? What's your brand DNA? There should be one word. But there, that word can change, right? Like that vision can change. And very often it ends up being a sales vision or a product vision or whatever, right? But it's yeah. not an overarching brand vision, like what's our why? And I mean, given the news of Patagonia yesterday, um, you know, we record yeah. this, um, you know, I, I mean, there has always been a North Star for the company and they've been pushing it through and keep pushing it through. And that is very rare. Most other firms, you know, they, they usually pivot around and they kind of like change a little bit based on the environment that they're in and yeah. the audience and the sales, et cetera. So I finished my monologue there, but that's my one, <laughs> that's my one advice, my one advice to actually kickstart revenue again and really uncover something. So I, I, I love it because it, it so aligns with, I, I don't know if you've read Ed Catmull's book, Creativity Inc., you know, but having that offsite, you could totally add that, that, you know, four to six hours to that whole executive retreat, you know, and he called it something else, but he, you know, it, it, it's basically a debrief and now, you know, what are we doing? And it's, it, interesting that it's so difficult for a group to get together to talk about that once a year right i mean it's like seriously yeah. that is not that i mean you think about like nascar drivers right and they are perfect at the debrief, the debrief right that what is working what is not working and what do we need to change that's i mean it's just very simple and every time they every time they finish a race that's exactly what they do to improve by like 1% or something. Why right. wouldn't they look at brand positioning? Why wouldn't they look at that? And, and you know, when, when you think about this and ask a driver, right? It, uh, I know nothing about this. So God knows as long as this is not recorded. Oh, wait a minute. It is, so, <laughs> no, but, but, but like, and, and, you know, like the NASCAR driver, right? It's, it's most probably there are specialists looking at every detail on the car, right? And making sure that everything works perfectly. Yes. I'm even, and that's what I think every everyone in the c-suite does all the time right like marketing constantly looks at kpis right yes. sales constantly looks at like you know like where we're at right product looks at innovation but what no one looks at is what's happening as a whole i mean yeah. of course the ceo slash founder whoever is in the reins they have a pretty good idea but they have absolutely not the right perspective from afar because they're way too deep in it right yes. like like they you know they either push push through a vision that they had three years ago that had to be adjusted two years ago but no one told them you know or or yeah. or they're going they're going way too visionary where it's not even connecting with the audience yet and so i think that yeah. that the really the 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 goal of this is to have this holistic overview of a brand 
where really everything from inside to the outside to you know is is just in sync and everyone is singing the same song right i i said this <laughs> i said this one one time and and i keep quoting me uh but 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 it actually i think it's a good <laughs> way quit, of saying you keep quoting i you. <laughs> keep quoting myself on the podcast while i'm talking no but 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 i said this thing and i think it actually it fits so perfectly into this is like you have to create the word before you spread the gospel right it's like that's the thing it's like everyone has to come together again and figure out what is that word that we keep spreading um and and that's how you connect you know it, it it's so true and i know we're kind of laughing a little bit about that but it, it you be it's so prevalent it it really is so prevalent what you're talking about right um i was i'm dealing with somebody right now you know and and you would think that that they take a step back and go <laughs> You know, but it's just like, Hey, I've got this great idea. Therefore it goes out to market and everybody, everybody should know. We call it a hero in our own mind. Everybody should know what I'm talking about. Right. Just immediately. It's the next big thing. It's like the next exciting thing that's sizzling, (laughs) right? It's like, I, I know, I know a lot of CMOs, they come back from wherever, from a conference, from a meeting, from a vacation, and they read something or they got some information. They're like, Hey team, we're doing this now. And it's like, and it, and it might totally absolutely not be aligned with the rest of the big picture, but it's like, this is the hot new thing. And so I think that realignment is important to kind of get real and say, where, where are we really at? What are really the opportunities? Why are we really all doing this? Right. And create excitement again for everyone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it helps also because when you were talking about the cultural aspect, getting that alignment, but also that visibility is so important, you know, because it's so funny how off North you keep talking about, you know, North star, which believe it or not is one part of my company name, but when we talk about that, yeah, there you go. There's the plug Talk Um, about alignment. Yeah. Talk about alignment, but it's so interesting how far off true North we get even in a week. I, I can't remember. Oh, my brain is blank. Come on. The memory, the father of memory. You you probably know who I'm talking about. Anyways, how quickly we forget certain aspects, like within 30 days, you're, and again, we are recording. So if I get the stat wrong, I get, the, but the point is the point, yeah. right? So yeah. um, we only, in 30 days, we only remember like 10% or something of yeah, what we heard. And it's, it's ridiculous that you wouldn't have a regular cadence setups to say, okay, let's get us back to true North every single time. Because if you can't even remember after 30 days, yeah. Like, and and so, I, I mean, when I, when I work, when I work with startups, it's, it's, it, I tell them, look, it's like, here is who you are now, print it out, put it on your monitor. And every time you write a piece of content, every time you put something out there, know that this is you and everything else is not you. So you have to make sure this is you. And then as I work more with Fortune 500s now and Fortune 5000s, I'm like, you all should do that. <laughs> you, yeah. you, should, you, you need to do this. You actually need to be reminded who you are, why you do this, because it just gets out of hand. Like you said, it's like, you already forgot something that happened 10 days ago. But if this is, <laughs> you know, if you're constantly thinking about campaigns and about meeting sales goals and KPIs and the new product launch, it's, it's you, your brain is always going right around this tiny little piece 
in a big company, in a big brand, right? Yeah. And for that to actually connect to the big why and to the bigger company, that's what so many companies get wrong. And it's mind blowing when you think about it, because it's the simplest thing. It's like, well, here's the brand and here are all the products <laughs> and the offerings and it all needs to go right up there. It's like really simple, but it's really difficult. It really is. It's yeah. like, I'm not even blaming anyone. I'm saying like, this is something that I think if everyone has that continuous reminder and that reset, you know, at, at like every 12 months or so, um, I think we would have much more successful brands out there that that continue walking on, on, on a path that just, even though it course corrects, it never has to pivot like crazy. It always kind of like, right? Because everyone talks about where they're at. I think that on top of a year, I'm, you know, I think it's, uh, well, it may have been, well, again, it's another study. Dale Carnegie, Stephen Covey, they all talk about every 90 days psychologically you have to come back to it. So even quarterly might be a very good, you know, you're saying bare minimum a year. Some companies aren't even doing yeah. it, period. Right. And it's like, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like a big exercise where you literally rewrite your positioning statement, yeah. right. Then you yeah. rethink your values and you, right. So, so it's, even though some of them might just change ever so slightly, I think that's, that's what I'm talking about, where it's really where it's really a big, a big session sure. to really sure. realign. But I agree. I mean, everyone constantly needs to needs to keep it's chiropractor, right? You, yeah. you shouldn't go once a year. <laughs> but you might need the real session once a year and then you go for your 15 minutes or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, I I I deal we there's kind of a an alignment that uh we call high involvement planning. And it kind of does that it's an annual thing and it, it is it takes a lot of time and resources to get it done but it is so worth it because the entire company is then back in focus laser focus for the following year and and we we kind of all know the coke story about you know them trying to release coke in india you know and how they thought you know we'll just release like we normally release kind of thing and then all of a sudden it went over like mud <laughs> and, and then they had to, re, right? yeah, yeah, they had to do a reassessment. Right. But I mean, we're, we're talking massive company. So yeah. these smaller companies, because most of my audience, as we know, is, is small business. I cater to small business and, um, trying to learn those best practices. And one of the things that I really liked what you said is you're dealing with these fortune 500s that are even struggling with this. So if they are even struggling, remembering to do this, then what, what kind of tips can you kind of, so it's, I find if things are in bite size that it's not so overwhelming for people. So you're like once a year have this big meeting, but it doesn't have to feel that daunting. And I'm sure you've got some tips on kind of kind of how that can be done with the smaller businesses that maybe not have the bandwidth of a fortune yeah. 500 and those kinds of things. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, as a small business, I mean, it, it, so many things in your life are so much more difficult. That is not one of them. <laughs> because that's actually <laughs> exactly. for a fortune 500 realigning the entire company in the heads of all divisions. And oh, <laughs> please, that's you have it easy, right? You've got to, <laughs> If you're lucky, you have a C-suite of like, you know, like, like two handfuls of people, right? Yeah. And finding time from them, you know, to sit together, 
and go through a structured approach, either bring someone someone in from the outside, right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, and I would always, always say, bring someone in from the outside because it is so good for someone to just kind of like push you yes. and look at it from a big picture, right? Um, and then all you have to do is really sit back, relax, right? You know, have a coffee in the beginning, have a glass of wine at the end. Seriously, it's just sitting together, talking about, talking about business and talking about the brand and how can you make it better and and you just fill out you just fill out these statements as a group as you go there doesn't need to be a copywriter involved there doesn't need to be marketing involved it's just like you yourself fill in a couple of words in a template that you reuse year after year and you every year you start it from scratch you say you know like we are you, you know it's a, it's a, it's a, this typical positioning statement right um you know, it's like we, to this audience and the audience shifts, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it might've been, you know, like like 45 to 55 or 23 to 43, it shifts pretty yes. much every year, right? Um, Your category might've been disrupted. You might fall into a different category. Yeah. What a game changer to think about that. Wait a minute, are we actually, are we now that we released <laughs> these other two products last year? Did mm -hmm. our entire category shift? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's and it's things like that. So it sounds like this esoteric branding exercise. But in the end, this is this is serious business, you know, business positioning. Um, and then all the benefits, how do how have the benefits changed that you provide now that you have this different suite of services or that you you get rid of some services or products and, and you added some more. Um, and then in the end, I always like to end it with because. Right. So, so to this audience, we fit into this category, we have these benefits, and that's a typical positioning statement. But I love to end it with like Simon Sinek's why, right? Like, because, <laughs> and what's the because? Yeah. Like, like why, why would you care? Why would your employees care? Why would your audience care? Why oh. do you exist as a brand? And that's the moment where you usually shift from coffee to wine, right? And you're like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> like, now what, right? Like, but... Because that why, as a founder, it, it might have been very different in the first 12 months than it is now that you have a small business, right? You've got like 10, 20, 30, 50 employees, mm -hmm. right? It's a very different why. And it's also a shared why. Like mm -hmm. now you share the why with your audience and, and your employees. So those kind of exercises, and even if it's just that one sentence, just find the time to rethink that sentence um, once a year, I think can be, can have an amazing ripple effect on, on the entire company. Yeah. It, it It is, when you see that sort of happen, it is, it is mind blowing, you know, as you start to, when you, if, especially if you're like, if you're, in, let's talk about startups, let's just start yeah. there. You're this founder has this great idea. And um, we all know the segue model that they were ahead of the curve. And there was a lot of issues, right? So ideal in a lot of complex environments. So you're a lot of times on the front edge of the curve for what people even understand. So human capacity to understand something, that's why we have also AI, right? I mean, there's, I think it was Ben Tell, um, no, I'm getting his name, Google, Asher, anyways, doesn't matter. Don't count on me for names. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> anyways, I, you know, I, I was, we talk about the human capacity to catch up with technology. And, and you brought up something really interesting too, because 
years ago, and I'm older, so <laughs> go back a little bit, but years ago, um, <clears throat> just take fashion trends. They used to change maybe every hundred years, right? Then they changed. You're that old. <laughs> I am that old. 50 years. And then uh, just looking at the historical aspect of it, because actually history of costume can, even in paintings and art, you can actually tell the era by what they're wearing, right? Right, 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 right. 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 So anyways, as you start looking at that, fashion trends started changing like in the 70s, I think it was every 10 years. It had sped up. Then it was like every five then it was every two and now it's every one. And to elaborate the point, if you have a product that at first is something that you don't even, it doesn't, it hits the market, but it's an education piece where people don't understand it. They don't even have the capacity to understand what you're offering yet, right? So you're doing yep. this education piece. Your why it will be completely different than four years down the road yeah. when, Everybody understands it. I mean, think of Apple and all that kind of stuff. They start to understand it. Um, You know, I I had to explain computer hardware to somebody, right? And they were like, I don't understand this because it was not even in their frame of reference, right? So, um, and, and the evolution going through that. So what you're talking about is saying, stay on that because that is going to change from year to year. And if you don't, you know, down the road, you're going to actually start to lose following because you're so off north that you you can't even get back, right? And and I I just think it's so important what and you're talking about. Usually you know because you start feeling uncomfortable, right? Like there's a certain <laughs> uncomfort where you're like, wait a minute, like something is off, but I really don't know what because sometimes it's like all these little things that are off, right? Yeah. And and you just have to really like massage all of them, and suddenly you're like, whoa re-energized let's move right and i think your your um your 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 analogy about fast fashion which by the way is crazy fast fashion right and, and but, <laughs> but, but that idea and let's get sidetracked on that for a second the idea of fast fashion is actually really fascinating because on the one hand you're like this is completely crazy for the environment and for everything right and then on yeah. the other hand since it changes every year, you know exactly what you have in your closet from five years ago. It's going to be fashionable again in two years. Yeah, anyway. yeah you can it's recirculate. Like this, it's like this, <laughs> this, this, this recircling, which is kind of, uh, you know, like from an innovative point of view, it's, it's you know, I don't know, right? Like how, yeah. how much innovation there is, or I would just go through this much, much faster. Um, but yeah, that's, to, to me, that that shows you, that analogy shows you how things are really moving extremely fast. And the strange thing is it used to be only D2C. Well, used to be because not like we had D2C for so long, but you know, it used to be B2, B2C and then it, now it's D2C. But it's really in B2B too because there's so many disruptors coming in and you just don't even know about them in the first couple of months. And they're already amassing, you know, like these audiences. And so it really, that, that re- recalibrating from a brand point of view is really, really extremely important. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, oh, I just think of the competition as the wolf at everybody's tail all the time. <laughs> That's, that is always like this. Ugh. And yeah, I think, I think what you're doing and explaining to these guys is very digestible. 
honestly, if they would just get it on their calendar and know they are going to do it. Exactly. We all, what was the big post recently? Everybody is in budgeting and they have no budget. And it's like, well, yeah, we used to talk about that all the time too. Everybody's in budgeting anonymous. And that's why we pay three times the price of our home in a mortgage to borrow what we want to borrow, right? I mean, that's so true. So at the end of the day, you're, if it's kind of where you're going to laser focus and make sure that you're staying on track for what you're doing and by just sticking it on the calendar. Yeah. And talking about budgeting, not in your way, but in the way of, you know, a lot of the founders and a lot of the CEOs listening, they're like, well, we didn't budget for that exercise, right? Uh -huh. and it's like, this should not be a marketing exercise. This should yeah. be literally you take a tiny piece from every department because that's what that is. This is sales. This is product development. This is everything. everything. And it's not going to hurt. And you have that money. You know, it's like, like, what is it going to cost? Right. It's just going to cost the salary of the people plus, you know, a facilitator. So it's, it's actually the return on investment is amazing because when you go into it and you say, you cannot afford to not do this, exactly you will have no budget because there will be no company. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> that is a bigger problem. I got it. Yes, a bigger game. problem. <laughs> I love that. It's so true. It's so true. I love your quote behind you. And so for people who are listening, it says branding is a layer of insurance for your company. You're investing in it as a strategy. So you don't have to compete on price and can gain a loyal tribe that participates in your brand and not your offering alone. And what I love about that quote is most find themselves in the commodity zone, which is price. If they don't do this, right? <laughs> if yeah, they don't yeah. pay attention to this, this is where they're going to be. And again, I'm not a CMO. So we're, we're, we're talking just from a holistic yep. revenue standpoint. That is your, that is your investment, right? That is yeah. what you're, you're and, doing. And if you're, if you're, if you're a commodity, if you're a commodity product or service, which like you said, many are, right? Mm -hmm. May it be by how they position themselves competing on price or may it just be another brand of, you know, like water, right? Or whatever, <laughs> right? Um, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a commodity, brand becomes the most important thing. And it's not price, it's brand. Because yeah, if you yeah. play the brand game well, you don't have to play the price game, you know, in in a bad in a bad way where you constantly just compete. Um, you see that on credit unions, right? Credit unions constantly, it's all about loans, 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 and it's all about pushing the price down. But 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 when you really think about it, A, it's it's just a crazy game. Um, and B, it that this is not the brand of a credit union. A credit union is actually an it's it, it's an organization, it's a nonprofit, basically. It's for you, off you, it's community. It's like there are stories to be told, but every credit union has big banners saying, you know, we have the lowest auto loan, and that's it. And it's like this is it's it's just to me from the outside looking in, it's mind-blowing. And that's why I like describing branding as a layer of insurance, because that's really what it is. If if people love what you stand for and, and what the vibe is, right? And like, you're yeah. part of that, you know, you're, you're part of it. And everyone knows that with consumer brands, right? Everyone has some brands that they love, right? Mm -hmm. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. They buy their products. And it's just a subliminal thing that keeps going on year after year. You recommend them. You talk about them. Yeah, the products are good. They better be good. Without a product, you can't have a brand, right? Like, I mean, it's like, <laughs> first things first, right? But, but, 
it's all about it's it's all about them having gained your trust and them being special or different or interesting to you maybe not to someone else but to you right and so if they screw up or if 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 suddenly a product doesn't work out well or whatever you will come to their rescue instead of dropping them. And that that to me is that layer of insurance, that if you build this brand where people love you as a brand, yeah. you can you can charge a little more, you can have more flexibility of doing something wrong. I see this with, with amazing startups these days, day in, day out, where they can be completely transparent. They can be super honest. You see the founders just talking on TikTok, right? Like it's like super transparent, which is not right for a lot of people, but the ones that do it in the, in, in the right way, it's amazing yeah. the amount of trust that people have in them because it's like, wow, we haven't seen that from a company in a long time, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And you compete with them. Like most companies compete with those kind of companies today and they're going to they're gonna grow very, very quickly. Well, and it, it goes back to even a bit, you kind of are summarizing some and we'll get into your books in a minute, but Jim Collins is good to great. You know, what are the good to great companies, right? Because- yeah. As, as you look at that, and, and even though I love Simon Sinek, he wasn't the first person for the golden Y, but he was, he was very uh, evangelistic with it. So awesome. Right. right. And he invented what, the Y don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, people buy purpose. They buy, they buy a reason, they buy solving their problems. They buy for their reasons, right? And we always, yeah. when I'm training sales team members, I, I always ask the question, why do people buy? And they all give a blank stare and it is their reason. That is it. You do not know their reason. Wow. And when you're yeah. branding people, I mean, when you're branding in companies, they have to be able to see that alignment of their reason within that brand. And yeah, they will put up with a lot of things because of that emotional buy-in of the why, right? I mean, that yeah. that's that's the whole point. A lot of them have to get to that point, but you know, you're buying that capital for the future. When you're talking to a startup, I always, when I talk to them about even just doing PR and, and, and stuff like that first, it's like you are buying your credibility when you're doing PR, right? Yeah. So you're getting that trust out there, that story of your brand out there first and foremost. And then from there, that makes it easier for marketing to go out and to the world and then sales team members or whoever to actually talk about it. Because if I walk through the door and say, I am a VP at Coca-Cola, guess what? I stand up. If you are a VP of who? That's hard for sales. Yeah. That's hard yeah. for, <laughs> I yeah. mean, that, yeah. that's such a hard, hard thing. But then a lot of times what happens is, well, that's an expense and we can't afford it. Well, you can't afford not to. So I would right. say what right. you're saying is, you can't afford not to work on this. Literally, not afford. Yeah. It is like it's got to become part of your DNA. Yeah. I agree. Of course, I do. Of course, I do. <laughs> I hear a big butt. <laughs> nope, that's it. I totally, hundred percent agree. <laughs> yes, I love it, and I love everything that you're doing. And and so a lot. How did you get to this point? I mean, seriously, you've written three books that are best international sellers. 
I can only dream to have one book out as an international seller, maybe even just a book. (laughs) You know, well, first these words are thrown around, you know, quite a bit, right? And 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 it's not, it is not that difficult to be to be honest, right? It's because in the end, it's the same thing as branding. You you need to know your audience, and you you need to give them something that they haven't received before, or you know they haven't received it from someone like you, and they trust you, and that's it, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're perfectly positioned to 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 be right, that person that talks about that one thing, and they hopefully understand that one thing pretty well, and and then they release a book, and they already have some sort of tribe, and then it's like right, so it's this whole is this whole thing. So so yeah, no, but um, but but I I'm sure I'm sure a book is coming is coming uh coming up soon from you at some point. <laughs> it is, it totally is. But you know, it's like it's like with a young family. It's like first the dog, you know, like then the baby, right? It's like for you, it's like the, 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 there's the podcast and then there's the book. It's kind of a natural progression. <laughs> yeah, it's in the works, but uh, as there's always a but, you know, there's competing priorities at this time in my life. But I would really love to hear more about your story with it, and I know they would too. So, uh, tell us a couple of your books and why. How did you get to that point? Seriously, and how yeah, are yeah. you? Obviously, there was an aha moment that it was like, "Here is my calling," <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, weirdly <laughs> enough, or maybe not so weirdly enough, but 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 it's my my calling was pretty early on. Like as a kid, I was fascinated with logos. It was really strange. Oh, really? I mean, as a kid, as like a five-year-old, I would see cars on the road and I I, I see the tires and I'm like, BMW. And I'm like, Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> and my parents are like, something's wrong with this kid. Um, but you know, you gotta you gotta go into it and go deeper into it. And that's and and I I loved, I loved actually I I went to um Art Center College of Design, which is a which is a design school um that was in Switzerland. I'm from Austria, that's where my accent comes from. Um yeah. I was in Austria, I moved to Switzerland, went to design school to um to study communication design which I love actually the way that they called it communication design it's not it's not graphic design where people just think you do nice stuff right art (laughs) but it's communication it needs to communicate a purpose there's something there Um, so I studied communication design and then uh, always on a focus on logo and branding right so that kind of Afterwards, when I started my career, I, I started as a creative director for a pharmaceutical-focused um, company. Very dry stuff right out of school, but I <laughs> love that I'm like corporate. I'm like, this is exciting, like, right? <laughs> so I work with like Pfizer and Lily Icos and those kind of like pharmaceutical companies. Um, and then afterwards, I went uh, to work in the in the automotive industry for for Acura, doing a lot of like you know like digital digital work as a creative lead. Um, and the minute my green card came in, I started my agency. I'm like, this is it. Everyone knew it too. Like, just wait until the green card hits in. We're going to lose him. And sure enough, I, I walked out. <laughs> so, um, and then I and then I ran an, a small agency at the height. Uh, I think we were up to like 18 people, including freelancers. Um, oh, ran that wow. agency for 12 years. A lot of brand projects, a lot of, you know, anything goes. It was kind of like no focus. It's like oh, anything wow. goes, any client, any kind of. And then, um, And then, you know, about nine years ago, 10 years ago, I found complete focus of like, this is what I need to do. I need to do consulting. I need, you know, I only want to transform companies. I want to work with founders and C-suite directly, get things done, get them done in a couple of weeks instead of like, you know, six months to 12 months. Sure. Small, you know normal budgets right don't do the agency thing just come in and fix problems and <laughs> and i loved it and along the way 
along the way, you know, I, I, I wrote, I wrote those, those, those three books. The first one is called how to launch a brand, which was very much when I transitioned into an agency where uh, from the agency to the consultancy where I'm like, so how do you, how should you actually launch a brand? Like, what does it take? Right. So that yeah. was very much a how to brand, a how to book. Um, and then the second book uh, is called bigger than this. And it's kind of like, it's my, it's my, it's my not so secret favorite because I, I loved writing it. It's I, I realized uh, that there are so many startup brands that are complete commodities, right? Yeah. The same stuff, no tech innovation, right? Like no design innovation, nothing. There's only brand strategy, but I suddenly thought, wait a minute, I can connect to an audience because <laughs> we're Shinola or Shinola, Shinola, we're, we're in Detroit <laughs> and it's all about Detroit. Otherwise we do the same old stuff. We do like vintage watches that everyone, like it's not like design innovation, it's really just that. Or yeah. Or we're popping and we say, hey, all of all of this, uh, all of this stationery that you have on your work desk, now we do it in like 15 different colors or 30 different colors. And wouldn't it be great that you can, if you like pink, you can have a pink stapler instead of the typical <laughs> gray stapler, right? But it's these simple ideas that 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 change absolutely nothing on the product. But oh, let's just put it in different colors because why wouldn't people have a happy work life? Why can't we bring a little bit delight there, right? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, or liquid death. I mean, liquid death is water. It's spring water, right? And it's <laughs> called liquid death. And it was this guy who just started the company um, because he said, look, people in bars, all they do is they drink uh, at concerts. They, they, they drink, right? And, and wouldn't it be cool to design a can water that actually looks really cool it looks like beer it's really cool and people would start drinking it at rock concerts and you wouldn't <laughs> feel bad about drinking water <laughs> and why don't we save all of and why don't we save all of this plastic and make it in cans and it's called liquid death and it's now in every whole foods it's in every 7-eleven it's everywhere but he was <laughs> he, and he said, look, this is going to be a good for you product that's good for the planet. And I'm not going to market it in a good for you, a good for the planet manner. And because of that, people are going to actually like it. And I'm going to make a bigger impact on people <laughs> and the planet. But it's that kind of reverse thinking that is beyond beyond genius to me, right? And when you apply this kind of thinking to a lot of commodity companies, <laughs> not everyone's going to be a liquid death, right? But if you, but it's that same kind of thinking of like, wait a minute, everyone has always been doing it for the same way. And they all have the exact same offering. Like, what can we do to actually be different? And, and usually it goes thinking about a niche audience, really understanding them and then saying, well, they would do it totally differently. Like they would love something that's totally different, right? If you go yeah. to a punk rock show and you drink water, you don't want to have a Dasani in your hand. You want to have something cool. <laughs> it's a simple thing. And that that takes off is just amazing, right? So, yes. so you know, oh. that, so that book very much talks about what are those eight traits that I saw in these startups that you can actually use for your company and you don't use all of them, but you use one or two, you know, and some of them are transparency and authenticity and like some of these buzzwords, but I go into them deeply and I actually study, study brands that solely because they applied it really, really well, like mm -hmm. radical transparency in the apparel industry. There's a company called Evelyn and that's what they do. You go to the website, you see exactly each garment, you see how much it costs them to create. Right, like where it was created, how much it cost them, and how much they sell it to you for. And it's the simplest things. But the problem is that any company that has a significant amount of employees 
they can't do those things anymore because they're scared. <laughs> they are scared. Yeah, I was right, actually- Rightfully was so. <laughs> I was coming up with taglines as you were doing it. It's like this therapeutic session for me right now, right? Because I'm like, hmm, hmm. So maybe that is the good name for my book. Hmm, maybe that see, is. See, there you go. <laughs> And I, I, I absolutely love it. I am definitely going to go buy that one. You know, sure. it's fu it's funny because we haven't talked about my third book, but it's called the Brent Therapy book. So this was Brent <laughs> Therapy already. <laughs> it is, it is, and I, you know, I, I, there is some really cool things out there that I, I want to connect you immediately with that I know out of my network just thinking about it because of the need that is so much out there right at this time, right? For thinking outside the box, because there is a lot, lot out there that'll say, well, then we're the branding agent, we're the this, we're that, you know, kind of thing. And, and it really does. I, one of my things that I, I talk to people about in the need for the rise of the need for a B2B sales team again, is the digital deluge. It's really, really hard to differentiate when you're trying to, especially in startups or resurrections, all of a sudden your differentiation is gone in a resurrection, yeah. right? And if you're transforming, it could be because the product has so many competitors now that you're not differentiating, right? It yeah. could be your messaging. It could be so many yeah. things. And you're, you can't always just pinpoint one single thing in there, but you're just kind of thinking in the light of... Um, you know, a mirror image or the anti or whatever it is, right? Yeah, that I mean, you're just that idea. I and I think this would be really cool too. If if you sit down and we talked about this once a year, right? Whatever. Like let's do yeah. it half a year, it doesn't matter. But that idea, like sitting down and actually do this exercise with the entire team yeah. of like if if we were a startup today, like mm -hmm. all of us here. Right? We might be a 50 people company, right? We might be successful or we might be a legacy company, right? But we're all here. If if you would work for a startup and we would be this startup and we could do anything because we have budget, we can do anything. Mm -hmm. What would you do today? Like this can be positioning, this can be advertising, this can be product, this can be whatever. This can be a campaign, it can be copy, whatever you come up with. Like like half an hour, everyone, their idea, stick the post-it here. What would you do if we were a startup today and, and start from scratch? How cool would that be? Because then suddenly you see, oh, wow, everyone is somewhere totally different than where this company is. And isn't that scary? Or doesn't this allow us to actually really take an opportunity and say, wow, a lot of people go into this one direction. They might know the market better than us because they're salespeople or their product and they're deep inside of it. Right. But I, th I think it's, it's scary. And it's also a scary, good opportunity. If you actually like force yourself to lean into this all the time, instead of, instead of being like, Oh, competition and like marketplace and like, just keep, keep moving forward, <laughs> keep pushing. Well, and it would be super exciting. So the original title of my book, I'll tell you it because it's kind of funny. Now it, everyone knows, you know, everyone that. knows it was no, I, I had told several people, but my original title is I can't help you. And it was about the entire thing is about looking under the hood and being able to debrief and figure out what is happening. But so many won't do that. Right. So if you sat down and asked the question, okay, if we were a startup and you had 
all the money and you had all of your knowledge and all of those things, what would you do? Right. And now that you're, you know, you're a legacy or whatever, what would you do? A lot of people won't even get to that question. You know what I mean? Because, and if they can't get to that question, then I can't help them. Right. You cannot help them if they will not get to that question. And so in thinking of so many people that could use like your books and your consulting and all of, all of that, some of that turns into that, oh, well, we'll get to that another day or yeah, yeah, yeah. that's oh, not totally. important. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so I often think, you know, when you're saying brand therapy, you know, <laughs> that sometimes that's what it does boil down to is going, wait a minute, if you were to go to a therapeutic session, what would they start to do? They would peel what was, what's going wrong, you know, and ask the yeah, question. And exactly. so many people will not ask the question because they're afraid of the response, yeah. which is so weird because they want that answer. Right. I right. Think it's like right. It is really. And, 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 and the thing is, I, I have plenty of empathy with, with, with founders in, in the C-suite of why they are afraid. Yeah. Because there's already enough other stuff they gotta fix, right? I mean, it's like there's, it's like we have enough going on. If you now suddenly, un, you know, like like open that lid, but the, but the thing is, it's kind of like it's kind of like going to your physical once a year, right? Yeah. If you if you don't do it for a couple of years, you might have a major life event, right? Like yeah. something might go majorly wrong. And I think with the company, it's the same thing. There are major events. There are major events that suddenly the competitor does something huge and you're basically pretty much out of business. You got to figure stuff out, right? Or there are major events where suddenly suddenly everyone, like 20% of the workforce drops because you screwed up from a culture perspective. Or like there are all of these things, but if yeah. you just align and keep aligning, right? It's like, but I totally agree. I, I love that idea. Um of 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 the way that you position just quickly positioned your book right where it's can't help you and here's why <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of why. like every other consultant of like five ways to do this and this right you actually <laughs> say can't help you and then of course when you read the book it's like ah if i would if i would actually change my mindset yeah people could help me and there are plenty of people out there who say here are the five ways to do x right like but but you can't even get there because your your mindset is so it's it's in the in the end it's really only one thing that 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 always gets everyone not to achieve any of the dreams and it's fear right fear. i mean for everyone that's a that's for a little kid that goes to school um or doesn't right and that's and that's for for someone going on a podcast and that's for someone actually saying i'm going to completely flip this company around because if we don't do it now, someone will in the next couple of months who does not have, you know, who, who, who doesn't have the fear, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it can definitely stop you from everything, all of your dreams. It, I mean, yeah. My, yeah. my mom used to always say, you might as well shoot for the stars and miss versus shooting for a pile of manure and hitting, right? That's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> yes. right. And it worked. And it worked, right? And That's it exactly worked. it. That's exactly it. So, so now this is a verbal commitment in front of the entire audience that you're actually gonna get your book written in the next. <laughs> yes, it's months. a verbal commitment. There we go. It has been said. It has been recorded. Unless you cut this out, but you can't cut that out. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we won't. So, what do you love? You talked about loving logos since you were five. What do you love to do in your free time? 
what is your, you know, what's your passion other than what you're doing right now? If you say well, that again, how do you de- how do you detox? How do you kind of just kind of yeah. Go- <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't brand for fun. Like it's not like I do it like <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> but I mean I, I I do love I do love what I do and I like to, you know, it, but but it's really I mean I'm, I I think most most founders or or most most consultants are going to say the same thing. It's like get out in nature, you know, do things to kind of like you know, decompress and all of that. But I mean I I have other passions. The problem is most of my passions I I like turning into into a, a business. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like, it's like another passion of mine is uh, music. I'm 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 big into music. Uh, my my father was a was a big violinist in Vienna. It's this typical Vienna upbringing, right? Like, yeah. you know, so his office was like the big Musikverein in Vienna and all of that. But he, you know, it's like I I, I grew up with music. Absolutely love music. Um, I started collecting records a long time ago. I've got like a thousand eight hundred records or something. Records like vinyl, old school. Vinyl, which, yeah, yeah, it's coming yeah, yeah. back. You know, I know um, that. <laughs> And so, of course, of course, during the pandemic, I'm like, wait a minute, wouldn't it be cool if you could actually read the spines of records in your in your bookcase and you could just, you know, like push it and it turns out 90 degrees and you can flip through it and push it back. And sure enough, I went all in and I hired an engineer, I hired a designer, I created a product. And so now I'm now I'm like, I, I think I'm like $50,000 in. Um, we have a prototype out there. We're completely redoing it right now. So that's my that's my other thing that I'm doing next to the other things. Uh, but but yeah, it's usually usually when 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 you're when you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and you advise entrepreneurs and you and you you understand that branding has a lot of power, it's hard not to turn into your own entrepreneurial like ventures. It's like yeah. it would be kind of like a missed opportunity. So who knows what's gonna happen with that, but it's uh, it's pretty <laughs> exciting. So that's one of my passion and now it's now it's uh hopefully turning into a business. <laughs> I 100%. So I have to ask you the question too. So do you play violin or just you got the passion of music, but from Vienna and your father, but not. Well, it's, I, I have the passion for music, but I am not. I'm 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 more on the outside of it. So my my dad, of course, you know, he 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 felt the obligation to to hand me a violin at a young age, and he very quickly understood. And to quote him, uh, he said, uh, "No, he's normal. <laughs> so I, I don't have the bug. I'm normal, meaning I'm completely not talented whatsoever. So I left <laughs> I left the violin by the wayside and. Uh, I'm I'm still doing some music, some some more modern uh, uh, music projects with a friend. So we're releasing some stuff too. So I, as I said, everything that I do for fun, I, I try to make it something professional of course, because it's just it's just a, it brings more excitement <laughs> into life. <laughs> oh, I it 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 just brings up so many memories of seeing opera, and just when you were talking about Vienna and all the I was did like, you sing oh. in Vienna? I did not sing in Vienna, but it is. Yeah, my favorite composer of all times is Mozart, and I love, I love any history around, uh, around that. Now, I I didn't sing in Vienna, but it was it was it's such you can't study 
you can't study any sort of music without yeah. knowing about Vienna. <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, it, growing up in Vienna, looking back now, right? Where I mean, I've been in the States for 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 two and a half decades now. Um, but but it's just bizarre because you every day you walk by the former home of Mozart or you like you yeah. like sit in that old uh, you know like wine place we call it Heurigen where where Mozart used to always be and it's just so mind blowing right because I mean how many years are we talking right I mean this is like a long time ago it's 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 pretty. It's, it's a magnificent city. It really is. It's magnificent. And then I always say the contrast is my favorite band of all times is Oingo Boingo. And oh, so, going, going straight so 80s we go there. from opera to Oingo Boingo and actually their farewell tour before Danny Elfman started off in doing all of the, well, he yeah. had already started off in doing all the writing for like the Tim Burtons and things like that. But yeah, yeah no, I mean, I just, I, I fell up, I grew up on, on Oingo Boingo and just, you know, where everybody else was a Michael Jackson fan, I was an Oingo Boingo. See, for me, it's Depeche Mode. So, so we're oh, very- Oh, Depeche Mode is another we're, one. We're going in like parallels here, yes. right? I'm like, an, I'm like on 800, 800 records of Depeche Mode at this point. So <laughs> that's my, that's my vice, you know, like whenever I travel for brand work, I always sneak out to a record shop somewhere in the hood well, and, and like, yeah. <laughs> Depeche Mode and all of that was also in the whole, whole scheme. Cause that was my, I would say that was one of my favorites as well, but yeah, it, it, Depeche Mode came to me a little later, you know, a few years later. Cause I think I was, I can't tell the age, but I was listening to Oingo Boingo when they were, when I was quite young. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not yeah. gonna. Sh I'm not gonna give the farm away on that one. Oh, we're not doing anyway. any of that. None of that. <laughs> none of that talk here. <laughs> not today. Not here. <laughs> well, this has been so fun. I I have just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this today. Where is one place that they, the listeners, can get a hold of you? I would say go to finian.com. That's written just like on my cup here, finian.com. <laughs> so they have to go to YouTube so they can see what that is written as. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and, and that's, uh, that's, uh, that's my consultancy. So it's F-I-N-I-E-N.com. Um, and you can basically get lost uh, in, 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 in the social media. Um, you know, in, in, I, I have a pretty awesome podcast too called Hitting the Mark, where I talk to founders about how they got brand clarity. And I talked to the founder of Liquid Death, talked to founders of like Chet Blue and, you know, Happy Socks and some big companies. So yeah, um, yeah. if you're interested <laughs> in in that idea of, of, of brand clarity, jump, <laughs> jump, jump right in. <coughs> Excuse me. I got a throat itch right in the middle of all of that. Oh, goodness. <laughs> at the uh, end, at the end. So yeah, I can see myself automatically going and subscribing to your podcast, buying your book, book, <laughs> <laughs> getting off my duff and writing my book singular yes. Yes. and um thoroughly enjoyed this thank you so much for being on the show fabian and to all the listeners thank you again this has been so much fun hopefully you like it i love it share it reach out to fabian and uh yeah just thanks for coming today thanks for having me it really was a blast thank you all for joining another great episode for show notes, links, and resources, visit revenuemaze.com. Hats off to all you small businesses out there. I can't wait for the next episode.